Welcome to Grass Talk Radio. This show is for people who play bluegrass music and anybody who might want to. The prison guard shut the iron door behind me. Howdy folks and welcome back to Grass Talk Radio. Hey, we're getting really, really, really close to that 100,000 downloads mark. So do your part. Send a link to the show to someone, even if they don't play bluegrass. Let's get it over that hump. I would love to see that. I just, you know, make me feel good. Warm my little heart. You know what I mean? And then I would know that you're helping me help you. I guess I guess that's what I'm here doing. Anyway, folks, a lot of stuff going on here. Um, it seems like, do you, do you know what the beach ball effect is? If you've ever been in a pool and you had a big giant beach ball and you try to hold it under the water, you're going to have this irresistible force where the beach ball wants to come to the surface, no matter what you do. And the harder you hold that beach ball down, the harder it gets to hold it down. And just imagine that the people of the earth, you know, how many billion people are beach balls and they're all being held down and they all want to come to the surface. And uh, no matter how much force is applied, eventually the beach balls surface. And the deeper you press them down, the higher they shoot out of the water when they're finally released. And I see this going on all around us. Stuff is happening. And all I can say is, it's about time. Dead gummit. Hang on a second. Let me get this phone call. Hello? Hello, is this Bridal Red? My name is Karim. I am calling from Windows to inform you that your podcast has a virus. Now, do not be alarmed. We will save you like Superman. We only need the funny little numbers on the back of your credit card, and we will be able to fix the virus. All right. Where was I? Where was I? Oh, the beach ball effect. Anyway, I see that the beach ball effect seems to be taking place, and that's good. I just want to use this episode today to kind of give you an update on a few things. Bluegrass that are going on, and isn't it fun when you get out of bed in the morning and you've got three or four things hot on your mind that you want to do, and in my case, over the past week, all of them have been related to bluegrass. I haven't been getting up thinking, oh, I've got to take the trash out. Well, I I did have to do that on Tuesday. You know, that's a given. I got to feed the dogs, feed the chickens, feed the doggies, you know, all that stuff. But I also had these other things that I have to do. And one of the things is that I've just been obsessed lately with finishing this F5 mandolin that I've been building for, working on it for a number of years. You may, if if you've been kind of like following my nuttiness for a long time you may have seen some photos back a couple of years ago on twitter i used to use hashtag f5 build and there are some old photos where i just had a neck cut out and i was you know bending the ribs and all that kind of stuff i kind of quit putting the pictures up there because i quit working on it and i just got a wild hair not not too long ago and decided this thing has sat around unfinished long enough You know, I had, it basically was at a standstill. I had the neck attached to the body, the top and back on it. So there it sits. Needs a fingerboard, needs binding, needs frets, 
etc. And I just uh, have been working on it. Fretted the board, glued on the board, um, cut the uh, slots for the binding, bound the uh, top, and finished up just, just sanding and getting ready to do the coloring. And I did the coloring, and now I'm actually putting finish on it. So, And I can't stop looking at it. It's just so beautiful. Just hanging there on a hook, just waving back and forth, drying, and I'm just looking at that back. I can't quit looking at it. It's like hypnotic. It's amazing. If you want to see any any photographs of it, they're public over on my Patreon page. So you can go to patreon.com slash Bradley Laird, and I've just been doing mandolin show and tell over there. So that's the update there. A little quick garden update. Potatoes. I did get zapped by a second very light frost, but they have fully recovered now and they're knee high, looking great. Garlic's looking good. I have already set out tomatoes. Um, sweet potatoes are out in the garden now. I still have a few more seedlings I'm nursing along, but, and uh, Wayne Arrington, thank you, Wayne. He came to our jam last Tuesday night, banjo player down here in Americas and brought me some gourd seeds to grow these big giant, I guess you call them basket gourds. You know, the kind of gourd you could make a banjo out of or something because he is right now building a banjo from a gourd that he grew, I guess, last year. Anyway, he brought me some gourd seeds, so I've, they've already sprouted. They're coming up and they, they look like squash, like a big fat, you know, those initial leaves that come out. So I got some gourds I'm gonna plant along the fence line what else? The onions looking good. Um, Wayne also brought me some spaghetti squash, which is good stuff. Anyway, that's enough on the garden right now. It's really looking good. And as I said, I had a jam last Tuesday. You know, when everything started shutting down, the beach ball being pressed below the surface. Well, the little Pete's place that we had had our little Tuesday jam for uh, they've been doing it for 10 years they stopped doing it and you know i stopped doing everything and but by midsummer i was like you know what anybody wants to come over here and pick we're just going to have it over here and started doing these little jams that i've told you about some of them i might have even played a tape from one of them i can't remember i have occasionally surreptitiously recorded the jam um anyway had another one last tuesday just I just see a change in people. I do. And it's nothing physical. It's more like emotional, attitudinal, you might say. And man, all I can say is it's about time. However, at that jam, there was a little, um, little occurrence that had happened. Actually, the week before that, one of the guys that was at the jam started off a song, started playing. And then... When he came in singing the first verse, we, we all got out of time and it was just a, it was one of those mini train wrecks where everybody's looking at each other, trying to what, what happened to the beat? Where's the beat? And this was two weeks ago. So when it came around this week, I, I thought about that all week. Why do these things occur? Now, now what I'm, I'm going to try to describe the problem and if it has ever affected you or you've ever observed it. Maybe what I'm going to say might help. I mean, I'm not sure of how to cure it. I do know what happens. So imagine 
you are, let's say, the mandolin player, guitar player. It doesn't really matter what you play. And the song starts, and you, and we're in 2-4 time. And we're going boom, chick, boom, chick, boom, chick, boom, chick. And somebody plays a break. Now, that time, that boom, chick, boom, chick, boom, chick, boom, chick, should remain constant all the way to the final note. It doesn't change. Uh, you may speed up a little. You may slow down a little. But you never drop a beat or suddenly invert your booms and your chicks, your downbeats and your offbeats. You don't suddenly just switch them. So imagine that, like, if I wanted to intentionally foul up a jam session, here's what I would do. I would let the person kick off the song. Maybe the banjo player does it. And everybody's going boom, chick, boom, chick, boom, chick, boom, chick, boom, chick, boom, chick. And then when I'm getting ready to come in singing the first verse, I'll just put my chick where the boom is. And I'm just going to chuck off beats on the beat. And then the bass player is going to get confused. And he's going to be like, maybe... Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, uh. And the, he switches to now playing bass on the offbeat, and the mandolin is playing offbeats on the downbeat. Do you get what I'm saying? It's just inverted, and then I sing it as if I'm correct. That's one way to have a mini train wreck. There are others. <laughs> there are other ways. Um, that's a mini train wreck. And the question is, why does it occur? And so I was trying to figure out what, what do I think is actually causing this? And I came to my conclusion, which could be wrong, is that it, it seemed to be one player, the person who was going to sing the next verse, simply came in singing at the wrong time. So I think it's, it was a lack of understanding of how the verse that you're about to sing connects to the break you just heard or the chorus that was just sung. See, the entire song is one, should be, one connected whole. It isn't banjo break, verse one, chorus, break, verse, chorus, break. Those are not separate discrete things. They're all tied together just like a train on a track, and they're all a specific distance apart. So when you get to the final downbeat of the banjo kickoff intro break, that final downbeat is linked to the verse. And so that downbeat and the continuing beat needs to be maintained until the time the person comes in singing. You can't just randomly select some new downbeat out of thin air and perhaps plant it on what would have been an offbeat. You know, I'm sure everyone has experienced this. I'm sure that everyone in their early stages of playing has done this by mistake. But I was thinking, why does it happen? And I think it happens because my guess is that like if a person's only been playing a couple of years and they've not played in a band and they, you know, and they're learning the ropes of bluegrass jamming. That, that type of person, of which there are multitudes of. I think what happens is, or what I believe I have observed in multiple people, is they know they're about to sing. Okay, somebody just took the break, and now they're going to come in singing verse 1. And so they start thinking about the singing. 
They start thinking about the words they're about to say. Maybe they're looking at an iPad or something. And they're thinking about, and they're getting ready, and they're trying to figure out, when do you start? You know, it's, it reminds me of, I've told this before about when I was on a bowling league. And, you know, I was like a 125 average bowler, not a very good bowler, but not totally embarrassing either. You know, I occasionally picked up some spares and once in a blue moon had a, you know, would miraculously throw a turkey or something. But I remember one night I walked up there and on the first ball, I threw it in the gutter. And then I started thinking, oh my, what, what did I, what am I doing? What am I? And I started thinking, do I, my first little step, do I step on my left or my right? And the more I thought about it, the worse I got. And I proceeded to throw my next four balls straight into the gutter. And tripping over my own feet, I looked like, uh, I looked like Navin Johnson dancing on the front porch. Uh, it was bad. And the more I thought about it, the worse I got. And so I think that's what's happening with this person. Oh, by the way, it only happened every now and then. It didn't happen every time. And this is not meant as a criticism. It's just meant as an exercise to discover potentially a solution because it's it's it derails the train. So if you could not derail the train, that's a good thing. So I think what, what should happen is... Number one, a person should practice coming in, you know, practice it coming in, count one and two and three, and there's a well beat. Yeah, and figure out what is that syllable that should hit on the downbeat and make sure it does. Because if you sing, let's say you're, you're doing, there's a well beaten path, well is the first downbeat of that verse, so you better put it on downbeat. And if you come in there and put there on the downbeat, you have fouled up because well is now going to be on an offbeat and everybody's going to like fumble and stumble and it's a mess. And then there comes this thing, this indecision moment where the singer has come in half beat late and now they're on the offbeat and it's inverted. And everybody at that point has to make a decision. Do we go with him or do we stick to our guns and keep playing what we know to be, in fact, correct and make him fix it? But it stems from not listening to each other. And I think my, my theory, after thinking about this and observing it, only happened a couple of times, but is that playing the instrument was overcomplicating the thinking process of coming in correctly. So you're playing along there, playing your mandolin. Chop, chop, chop on the offbeats. Everything's cool. And then you go into singing. And because, you know, you're relatively early in your playing career, you still have to think about how to play the mandolin. And then you're also having to think about to sing and to come in in time. And to do all that at once, I think, is the cause. So I suggested to the guy in private that um, as you're approaching the verse, as you're about to come in, just stop playing your mandolin. Try to come in and land that. There's a well. Hit that well on the beat. And then just let your mandolin fall in there if, if and when it feels good to you. Because once you get to singing in the correct time, 
it'll be easy just to go back to your offbeat chopping and so on. So that was my solution. Uh, we'll see how it turns out if it works. And I also said that you should, you should not think about just coming in in isolation because the way you're coming into a verse is directly connected to the way someone came out of what just happened. So the banjo break happens. Listen for that final note. That's the downbeat. And then count. Boom. Two, three. There's a well, you know. And, you know, the number of beats could vary. Uh, you know, sometimes when somebody's coming in, let's say a fiddle has just taken a break and you're going into verse three and you can't remember the words. Everybody just keeps boom, chick, boom, chick, boom, chick until you get it together. And then you come in. But your first downbeat syllable better be on the downbeat. And you can practice this. Just get you a, an unforgiving jam track. Or what I told this guy is find a recording of that song by a professional group and practice singing it right along with them because you're not ever, ever, ever going to hear those sorts of mistakes on studio records by major label bluegrass artists. They don't make those mistakes. If they do, they never make it to the record. You may occasionally hear a live recording where it does happen. Um, but anyway, that was my suggestion. Maybe stop playing your instrument long enough to get a grip and maintain a grip on the overall song structure. Then come in, and when you feel good, then start playing. In other words, people can live without your chop. Um, that That is preferable to suddenly having the, the bass and the offbeat inverted in time and a total train wreck, you know. Anyway, that was my suggestion there. Uh, uh, back to uh, what else is happening. The beach ball effect. The ball. It's like six and a half billion balls have been held underwater, some deeper than others. And gradually, the powers that be that are trying to hold all those beach balls under are losing their grip. And they're just popping up all over the place. And perfect evidence of that is the fact that I have two gigs I have one this Sunday and one, I'd have to look at my calendar, the following Saturday or Sunday. Anyway, two weekends in a row, gigs, bluegrass band, playing live. That's, that's a good sign, considering that I played a total of two gigs in the year 2020. So things are looking up, is all I got to say. However, this you know brought up a problem. A problem that I have thoroughly enjoyed the last two days solving, and that is my PA system, which I've talked about a lot in the you know episodes about using your PA and stuff. I'm dragging it out of mothballs, hadn't been switched on in a year. Just setting everything up, cleaning cables, literally mildew on my cables and dirt. I have wiped down every microphone cable, speaker cables, plugging everything in and out, cleaning all the jacks with Q-tips with alcohol and a little uh, 25 caliber barrel brush, cleaning connections, checking the faders, what is scratchy. Everything seemed like it was scratchy. I mean, I touched Every fader, I'd run it up down here, these little pops and cracks, cleaning all that, you know, with the old electronic 
parts cleaner with the little spaghetti straw, you know, clean and clean and clean it and just letting the stuff run. I've had the PA set up for the last two days with everything hooked up, monitors, mains, microphone. I got, you know, we could have a concert out there. <laughs> I, I probably should have done that. Um, just letting the stuff cook, let it cook the moisture out, you know, leave them on. If, if it's going to die, I'd rather it die now than, you know, just haul it over there and hope it all works. You know, when you're using a PA system a lot, like say every week you go to your gig and you haul your little PA in and you plug in these five microphone cables and you do it every week. You plug the into the board and then you plug the other end into the mic and you do that over and over every time you plug that together there's a slight cleaning action that goes on just plugging it in knocks away some of the corrosion and you know oxidation and things like that simply putting it in in and out on a weekly basis keeps things working pretty good moving a fader twisting a knob Use it or lose it is what I'm saying. So if, you're, if your gear has been sitting around for a while, get it out, test it, and just twist those knobs, push those sliders up and down. And I've, I've had a long-standing practice of, I, I can't tell you how many times this has occurred, but dozens, where you just push a mic cable into your board, XLR mic cable, stick it in. And it just sounds ratty. And you pull it out and stuff it back in again. It sounds perfect and it's fine the rest of the night. So I've had a long-standing practice to every time I connect a microphone cable at either end, I do it twice. I put it in, I disconnect it, and I put it in again. And maybe, you know, if you're having trouble, you could connect and disconnect three or four times. Same thing with quarter inch cables. If you stick them in, pull it out, stick it in, pull it out, stick it in, you're kind of self-cleaning. It's like the self-cleaning oven. Anyway, if you're coming out of mothballs, about to hit the big time in bluegrass and start playing those gigs and fairs and, you know, <laughs> local markets and, you know, old folks home, whatever you're doing, get your gear out. Start running through, make sure everything works. Make sure you remember how to even operate it. I was sitting there scratching my head going, now, does this wire, this red wire, does it go into here or there? Been a while. So get stuff out, knock the mothballs out, and let, this, let the stuff just kind of cook off. If your PA system, let's say your amplifier, if you turn it on and run it for 24 solid hours, it should not fail. It should just be just as good after 24 hours of playing your iPod through the board. It should be working just perfectly after 24 hours. So let it run. Let the dadgum things run. If nothing else, you chase the wasps and the, uh, the moths and stuff like that out of your gear. And it <clears throat> gives you a degree of confidence that the stuff will work when you show up at the gig. So drag all your stuff out, have fun. I, I actually enjoy this. It's a, it's a tremendous amount of work. You know, mic stands, gathering up all the mic stands, cleaning them all, you know. Most of them have been in cases, but a few of them have just kind of been sitting around a barn. So I had to wipe all those down, get the spiders out of the bases and just clean them up, make sure they work. 
you know. Anyway, that's what I've been doing for the last two days. If you were around here close, you could have come over here. and Well, actually, you still could come over here because I have more of this to do. And eventually, come Sunday morning, I'll be loading it all into the car to head to the gig. All right, so we talked about train wrecks, talked about gigs, demothballing your PA system. What else has been going on? Oh, yeah, one other thing. I had a, an email from a guy, and I've, I've had this same request before. And uh, I've not really had a good solution for it until now. And here, here's the thing. I've had a person recently ask me, is there any way that I can download all of your YouTube videos to my whatever gizmo device, computer, tablet, iPad, whatever, so that when I'm up at the cabin on the weekends and where I don't have internet, I can still use them. You know, that sort of thing. Like, is can I just download this stuff? And of course the answer is, of course you can for all of what I call my premium video lessons. They're all downloads. You download them and you have them. So you only need the internet to get them. Then once you've got them, you don't need the internet anymore. But all of my free videos, and I've said this before, I've got all these free videos and then I've got all these premium videos that you purchase. Well, the free ones, they've always lived on YouTube and then I would embed them on my website and they're actually scattered over, I think it's four different YouTube channels uh, because some of them I made while I was working for Watch and Learn under their auspices and some of them went up on my own channel and I had two channels and anyway they're they're up there on YouTube so the way to find them is quite easy you go to my website in particular I'm speaking of the mandolin videos you go to my website bradleylaird.com you go to the mandolin section and you hit the videos button and you're going to see them right there and anyone you click there it is but it's pulling it up from YouTube so the guy's question is how do I download them? So I asked my 12-year-old son, tech genius, and he's like, oh, well, yeah, you can download them, and there's these downloading utilities and blah, 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 blah. But I didn't know how to tell that guy to do it. I've never done it. How am I going to tell him how to do it? So I just decided it was time to um, make it easier for anybody who, per chance, would want all of my free videos in one place all my free mandolin videos in one place. And then they could play them whenever they want to. And the reason, let me, let me back up a little bit too. My logic in doing the free lessons was, let's say we're in beginning mandolin one and I'm teaching you the very first rudiments of playing whatever it is, whatever song it is. And, you know, and I might say, so first, tune your mandolin. And if you don't know how to tune, go watch my free video on how to tune a mandolin. And then maybe later in the lesson, I might say, oh, and these are the first three notes of the major scale. If you don't know what a major scale is, go watch my free video called What is a Major Scale? So I, I use these as answering those questions that I didn't want to repeat over and over and over in every lesson. In other words, every time I mention a blues scale, I don't want to have to explain it again. Just go watch the free video, What is a Blues Scale? And then come back and continue. So that's what the free videos primarily are. 
They're just little videos I can just reference people to. Send them over there and come back, you know, so I don't have to repeat every time. Because if I talked about the blues scale every time it occurred in one of my lessons, I would have been repeating the same stuff over and over and over and over and over. Where if you already know what it is, you don't need to go watch the free video. So that's, that was the point of how I organized all this. So if you're going through my complete lesson plan, like let's say the Mandolin Treasure Chest, it's a list of videos in order that I suggest. Here's the order I would recommend. But scattered and peppered throughout that list are these free videos. It's like in between four and five, go watch this one and come back, you know. It's only five minutes long. Come back, you know. So the free videos are kind of part of my system. So what I've done to get, cut this short is I pulled up all of my free videos from my archival backup hard drive. I put them all into a folder and I zipped them and I put them in my store for free. It's actually, the price is pay what you want. So you can, all you have to do if you want it for free is leave the price at zero. But if you want to kick in a buck or two, that'd be cool too. I'm not going to turn down a tip. What what musician would turn down a tip if you want to give five bucks? Hey, cool. Of course, all the stuff is freely available on YouTube. But the problem with YouTube is there's so many distractions. And it's difficult to watch them in order and find the exact one you want. Like, if, if you're really working through my stuff and you want to see my videos, you'd have to go to my YouTube channel and then hunt through all these videos where, oh, I was tanning a snake skin and I put a video up there and then I made a video of the garden and then, oh yeah, here is, you know, what is a chromatic scale. You have to dig through all that stuff. And then there's going to be all these distractions. They're going to be suggesting that you watch the Del McCurry band and the ads and all that kind of stuff. So if you just want to simplify your life and your mandolin studies, just go download them. So all you have to do is go to my store, which is at payhip.com slash Bradley Laird. And you will find it there. I think there are now 80 some products, but just scroll down and watch for the product that says free mandolin video archive and put in your email address, set the price for whatever you feel like and hit download. It is about 850 megabytes of stuff. So it's going to take a little while to get them all, but you will then have all of the free videos that are associated and inserted within my master plan. You'll have them all. And uh, I think there's even one extra that never really, Never really went anywhere, but I found it and I stuck it in there too. So there's one little bonus video, which never saw the light of day. Anyway, I know everybody loves free stuff. So if you're just craving free stuff, just go get it. Even if you play the bass or something, you know, you know, there's actually a couple things you could learn. Let's say you're not even interested in the mandolin at all. Well, it wouldn't hurt you to know a little something about it. So you understand that nutty mandolin player in your group, you know? We should know a little bit about each other, you know, so that we, we can play better together. Anyway, that's it. I hope you liked Jackson's little comedy routine at the beginning of the show. We're going to go out here with a tune, I'm, and once again, I'm 
uh, claiming fair use for commentary and educational purposes on this. It's just one of my most favorite songs in the bluegrass world by one of my most favorite bluegrass bands who I've seen live many times and have stacks of records. And that's the band Third Time Out. And the reason I'm pointing it out is last Tuesday at the jam in my barn, you know, we have people of different levels, different skill levels. Some people are still trying to figure out the one, four, five progression. And other people, you know, been playing a long time and, you know, they can do things that are a little more complex musically. And as the first couple of guys arrived, I was sitting there listening to this song, which we're about to play. And I was just playing the dobro along with it, just kind of warming up, waiting on him to get there. And I had my little Bluetooth speaker and it was just playing this song. And, you know, the guy sat down and the song finished up. And I said, hey, until everybody else gets here, would you guys mind? We'll just play along with this again. I'll play it again. And I looked to the one guy who I thought might have trouble with one of the, one of the chords. And I said, there's only one trick chord in it. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but see if you can figure it out. It's, it's fairly simple chord progression, but there's one, what I call a trick chord. Just see if you can figure it out. And then, you know, after he didn't figure it out, you know, I told him what the trick chord was. And it's, and it's beautiful. So just as a little challenge to yourself, just grab your instrument and uh, pretend you're at a jam with the greatest bluegrass band in the world, third time out, or maybe second greatest. They're very good. Um, just imagine you're sitting in with them and they're playing this and you don't want to hit a wrong chord. So let's see if you can hit the correct chords. Have fun. This is a beautiful song. And I'll talk to you in the next episode.
sweet smile brightens my way And though I wander far away from old Kentucky How I long to be close by my Sarah Sea 